Can you please stop bothering my kid? Sorry. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they could do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. Think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. And Scott, what do we have in store tonight? We have a special guest. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> ah, who is it? It's Corey. Corey, say hi. Hey, everybody. What's up? <laughs> all right, Corey. Corey is another one of our great supporters a great friend of the show and with all of Corey's support he has earned a chance to show up on our show I'm not sure why people would pay money for that Corey why do people pay money for that just we, we are we are kind of curious about that uh, I need friends <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm for sale. Good, good. That works out well. Okay. You don't have to pay us money to be friends. <laughs> I feel like a horror right now, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> because you are. Uh, I haven't figured this out in four years. You <laughs> are, sir. That's true. That is that is true. But not for this reason. <laughs> no, Corey, man. Thank you so much for being such a great supporter and friend of the show. We appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, let's see. Oh, boy. I remember going into D.C. Uh, the first thing that I ever seen, it was 
the the first Swamp Thing movie, and it terrified me as, as a kid. <laughs> terrified you as because it was scary, or because it was it terrified my it terrified me for completely for different, different reasons. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, being uh, you know, I think I was around eight or nine years old, and that creature that Arcane turns into that warthog creature, <laughs> Black Lagoon, whatever, it, whatever. it terrified me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I, I like that feeling. Okay, you know, uh, so from there, I just I had to kind of figure out what was what DC was all about. Um, so I've been been reading comics, collecting them since uh, basically '82. Oh wow! Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a 19 year old son and a 16 year old daughter. Awesome. Um, graphic designer for oh close to 25 years now. Okay, but uh, other than that, nothing nothing really spectacular. And as we always like to ask our prey, we are kind of curious because we are a little narcissist. <laughs> what are we kidding? <laughs> We're a lot narcissistic. We're on. We record ourselves on a weekly basis and think people care what, to hear what we say. <laughs> So when did when did you start? When did you find us? Like how how did you find us? When did you find us? How long have you been listening? Uh, I'd say it's about right after Suicide Squad came out. Uh, just looking for something that was a little bit more positive than what we are hearing out there. And uh, so it's it's been since Suicide Squad. So whatever year that came out in. Okay, that was Six, that was 2016. Yeah, yeah, it was. Wow, for a long time. Okay, and and you haven't left us yet. <laughs> no, no, to a fault. I'll I'll stay. Uh, that's awesome. Well, man, I'm glad you found us. I'm glad you're still with us i'm thankful of all the support you've given us uh and we you know we kind of talked about this before we're like okay when were we going to have you on and when we did a little dry run we finally kind of decided like let's wait till after you know we get some trailers for joker and especially when we get a little bit closer to the release of joker and we just had our trailer this past week so i was like okay now we can have you on because this would be a great one for you to to be on and we would certainly have a lot to talk about oh definitely it was insane it's insane yeah so we'll and we'll be covering that in just a moment, but uh, uh, just before we get moving on here, I just want to talk to you about uh, some of the other shows that we have on the Squadcast Media Network. We have DC Comics Squadcast, that's with Chris and Jordan. We have DC TV Squadcast with Ray and a, a clown car full of hosts, although that's dwindling. I'm exiting the car this week. This yes, is my la- This is my last ride for a while now, so I'm finishing uh, up Young Justice. Yes, those uh, download numbers are going to take a hit, no doubt. You better believe it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I bring the boys to the yard. What can I say? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, and then lastly, we have Fans Without Borders, and that's with Ray and Brent. So uh, come check out those shows. We encourage you to listen to them. Uh, they are all must-listens. And then head on over to Patreon, like Corey does, over at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. And remember, that $5 a month tier gets you access to our exclusive RSS feed of all kinds of B-roll and extra content, which does include our latest Squadcast movies, where Tim, Ray, and I talked about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Dropping this week. Oh, it hasn't even dropped. I, I blew my mind. It hasn't even dropped yet. You're right. No, I, I, I didn't have a chance, because I did Lord of the Rings, and that was what I had time for this week. That's right okay wow Wow. that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting one because no one's heard it yet okay yeah for sure so all right well we have a big news week here so let's let's just kind of jump right into it well as we kind of suggested we got a final trailer for joker this week and depending on who you talk to there's a variety of opinions about
about it. Um, I don't care what anyone else has to say. I'm still looking forward to this movie. <laughs> I, 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 I look, I, I'm sorry. I looked at some of the internet reactions and I'm like, really? That's where you're coming from? You know, I did, honestly didn't, I didn't. Okay. I haven't been on social media that much this week. So there really were a bunch of negative reactions to this trailer. Well, what you get and Corey can probably chime in too, is what you get a lot of people who are like, what are we going to take the Joker and make him someone we're supposed to be sympathetic for? You know, the whole, the whole, oh, are we supposed to root for the bad guy kind of deal? <sighs> and I'm like, how about we just kind of wait and see what the movie's going to be like before we, of course, take a trailer for a film that none of us have seen yet and just expound upon what we think the movie's going to be about? I'm just, uh... I'm just saying. Corey, I mean, were you kind of seeing the same thing? I was. Uh, I, I definitely was. But, uh, you know, I'm with you. Um, you just got to wait to see what's going to happen with it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, I, I, something dark, uh, psychological. Yeah. You know. Have you, and then what, how have you felt about this thing when you first heard that there was going to be a Joker solo film? You know, and th- that was not part of the shared universe. What, you know, where have your thoughts been on this, Corey? Well, right, right from the get go, I, I wish I could say I was all for it, but I wasn't. I was a little skeptical because I really liked uh, Jared Little's Joker. Yes. And so I thought this just might confuse things uh, or whatnot. But as it's been going by for the last little while, everything that I'm seeing and reading, and it, it's down my alley. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like Corey went down the same journey I went down because I yeah. was not. <laughs> I was not down for it when it first got announced. I will admit that. Yeah. No, I've I've been really intrigued and kind of excited about the concept from the start. And uh, luckily, at least what I thought, you know, my excitement level is going to be is actually kind of panned out. I am so stoked for this thing. You know, and and the thing is too, it's the idea that you had that you can do a film that's not constrained about you know what else is happening in the so-called universe. Uh, it's not constrained by you know having to you know reach out and and sign on an actor that has to commit to being in several films. You know, when you get a Joaquin Phoenix who you know he's going to be a one and done unless this thing just goes gangbusters and he has the passion for doing like a sequel to it. I mean, this is a one-time performance. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that Joaquin Phoenix has had to go through to get prepared for this thing. I mean, I, when you when you have the opportunity to have a film like that, that everybody can just put everything into it and be able to do whatever they wanted, to tell whatever story they wanted without having to conform to some other larger universe narrative. I, I, to me, it's like, I am so excited about the possibilities of films like this. Oh, I agree, 100%. It, fe- it has the same feeling to me like I have kind of started, even in my comic book reading, I have found my myself more enthusiastic about one shots and miniseries than I have about ongoing monthlies and I feel like a film like this feeds into that like this is the one shot that you buy you you read it you're done when it's over with and it's still in else worlds because it's obvious it's also not constrained by basically they're like what's comic book continuity we don't care we're just gonna tell a story yeah absolutely well and and so this trailer that debuted actually was preceded by like a teaser trailer a series of teaser trailers and this came out l- later last week where we had really short clips and they were probably like three or four seconds if I remember right uh, real tiny clips of scenes from the upcoming trailer for Joker and and let's be clear there's only been two trailers for Joker uh, there was the first teaser trailer that we got from was it actually Comic-Con uh, I, I, I'm losing tra- no it was earlier like the first trailer we got was 
was like I I remember I was actually it was last school it was during last school year so it was okay. before the summer it was it was like in April or something it was in the spring okay. sometime yeah so we had that first trailer it was kind of like a, I think they branded it as like a first look but it was over two minutes of footage and then and then this is the final trailer it's called the final trailer so this is all we're gonna get which I am perfectly fine with because everything I've seen has just got me super pumped for this film I don't need to see anymore I've already seen and had verified for me the um, the composition of how this thing's going to be shot the um, the you know the setting the the way it's filmed you know of course you got Joaquin Phoenix in this thing who just knocks it out of the park every single time he's in any kind of film and uh, I've seen everything that I need to see and at this point I just want to go and not know any anything else about this film and just go watch it but this this trailer was like just that last bit of like excitement that I needed for this film but uh, just kind of going back to these little teaser trailers so these little six different snippets of teasers were put out kind of like you know leading up to the trailer and if you watch it you can see flash on the screen during these little snippets uh just some scribbles and you couldn't really tell what it was well out of these six teasers that were put out those little snippets if you actually captured that one frame of the film and you actually put it together like a puzzle it actually revealed a message that it said trailer 828 which was this past wednesday so that was basically announcing that we are getting the final trailer on that day well i missed all of these teasers because life so it was it was one of those things that was like oh stuff's happening oh uh, okay cool thanks guys bye so so it got to the point that i'm just like just give me the stupid trailer because that's all i've got time for right now were you catching these things Corey? you know i seen a few of them on instagram uh, and i just i just really thought it was somebody else putting just a gift out uh, or whatnot so i really didn't follow too closely with it okay yeah so anyway so we finally got the trailer to drop this past wednesday <laughs> And first thoughts, guys, what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this trailer? Give it to me now. Agreed. <laughs> just give it to you now. That's, <laughs> that's, I guess that's about as well stated as you can get. I, you know, it, it's just, it's there. I was concerned with any kind of final trailer. Like, okay, don't show me too much. Don't show me too much. Don't show me too much. You know, I, I, I'm, I've, you know, we are a month away. I mean, it's one of those that it's like, I, I, just, I just want the movie. I, I don't need it in the trailer. So I get very concerned about what they're going to to show me and then it's like because the last trailer the the one with Jimmy Durante singing Smile was you know that was a great trailer like I could eat off that all day yeah and so it was like what are you going to put in this one is it going to are you going to put anything in it that's going to tap down my excitement are you going to put anything in it that I feel like is too much like oh we didn't need to show that just wait for the movie and I feel like it felt enough like the first trailer where I didn't feel like it was spoiling anything but different enough that it did feel like it justified there being a second trailer and not just feeling like well you could have just stuck with the first trailer and it's a weird tightrope that you can walk there and I feel like they kind of nailed it like having more De Niro like having more De Niro in this one and and kind of playing out the fact yeah you do realize De Niro's in this movie right you know I I feel like (laughs) that's a good general audience move to go De Niro's in this movie by the way and and maybe ex- put more context to some scenes that was in the last trailer, like the whole like we are all clowns.
Clowns, which we've heard about from interviews, that Joker's going to kind of in, inspire this kind of mob movement mentality. And But to actually put it in the trailer so that the general audience can see that's where the story is going, I, I think that just adds another flavor to the marketing for this film. Uh, well, you know, as looking at what this the newest trailer and with him on the bus making the you know the sad face and the happy face to the kid that's on there, it, it's almost cringy, uh, and so it is given a whole bunch of emotion, and it's good to feel excited about a DC movie other than just the fantastical of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of had that same reaction, you know, when I was watching. I'm like, uh, you know, as a parent, I don't want a stranger really interacting with my kids, so like I completely get that side of it. But you can see the, the what they're portraying there with Arthur at this stage in his life. Like clearly, he he just wants to make people laugh, right? And he was trying to have what I think was being depicted as a pretty innocent moment there. He wanted a human connection. Yes, I feel like yes, yeah. And that's something that is going to be kind of clearly you know put on display as we get further into you know understanding what this film is going to be about. This to me, it seems like it's going to be one of these kind of journeys that I think, you know, like the TV show Breaking Bad did so well. You had a character that you started off as somebody that was, you know, kind of the protagonist, as somebody that you you were going to latch on to, have this... He was sympathetic. Walter White was sympathetic in season one. He was absolutely sympathetic. And what they did so masterfully, and I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad all five seasons, Corey. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What they did that was so masterful with that show was you start off feeling very sympathetic, but it was was like a, a frog and boiling water, you, they'd slowly turn him into this pretty despicable person, really, in the end. And it and it really challenges you as a, an audience member, you know, when am I able to finally, like, realize that, like, no, I can't be rooting for this guy anymore. And, and I think that's what we're going to have happen in this film as well. In fact, there's a quote that basically says it from Todd Phillips, the director. That's what they're going to be doing here. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be feeling this connection. You're going to latch on to Arthur Fleck. You know, you're going to be sympathetic to you know him as a person as a as what he's going through and at some point in time here like it's going to transition to something like no I can't be rooting for this guy anymore and to me as a as a as a an audience member as uh you know somebody watching a film like that is just super interesting and exciting to me to to be challenged in such a way like that it's just I want to I want to watch a movie that one just looks like a film that just looks aesthetically gorgeous like deep and, and, and shades but I want something that's going to make me sit there and think about it absolutely and I am so struggling with movies these days to find something like that like like movies I would go into the theater and actually go watch I have been I, I have found myself discovering movies six year you know movies six years ago that I never saw that I'm finding that but it's I'm not getting that experience when I go to the theater and I really feel like this is a film that I'm just going to be able to go there and just kind of go WTF what what and and I just want to sit there and go oh. and, and and I and I feel like this movie has that potential I'm not saying it's going to do it but I'm saying I'm seeing things that give that watching the trailers making me uncomfortable enough that I'm like what is this like I'm debating whether to see this movie in IMAX or not <laughs> because I'm like do I am I going to be prepared to be this uncomfortable or do I need to go into the theater with the reclining leather seats so I can kind of 
kind of just kick back and like brace myself. <laughs> oh boy, you know it's one of those movies that uh, what I'm looking for is you're you're watching the movie and you're just you you come to the point where like this is so engrossing I don't want it to end. Uh, you know, so you're you're not distracted with uh, you know a lot of CGI, mm-hmm. you know anything like that. Uh, just something that you know I am worried that it's you know <laughs> I'm gonna uh, gonna end up liking the Joker and then it's gonna have to turn back to where I have to end up hating him. <laughs> You know, and, and I, I like that idea, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing in this trailer that made that kind of made me latch onto that idea is that they really played up more of the relationship he's going to have with Zazie Beats. Like you got that one moment with her in the first trailer that suggested that he was going to have a connection with somebody other than the creepy connection with his mother. But this trailer really emphasized, emphasized the fact you realize that there's going to be some kind of love story going on with him and Zazie Beats that you really didn't get a feel for in the first trailer and that was something that the second trailer really added in the marketing yeah yeah they definitely did that yeah definitely well and that's the thing too I kind of got a sense you know going back and watching that first trailer and then this one a little more closely they really are kind of playing up the pre-Joker side of Arthur Fleck I mean you end up seeing Joker you know you see his transformation into Joker but you don't really see what he does you know as Joker and and you get a sense like that's going to be the thing that that they're really kind of hiding from us because you know like I, I feel like the whole thing with Arthur like you know the little scene when he was on the bus with uh, the little boy you know that was kind of like a human moment that they had there this whole thing uh, with his mother and and I wouldn't say it's like I, I would disagree with your characterization Scott I wouldn't call it necessarily creepy he has a strong relationship she's obviously very important to him I'm sorry that first trailer had some creepiness with him and his mother I'm I'm sure I don't care if you disagree that's fine yeah yeah, I mean, it's fine, but I, I you, you know, I feel like he's, she's obviously extremely important to him, right? So he's got that connection with his mother, you know, he's trying to help her through some very difficult, you know, medical problems of, of whatever they are. Uh, and then he, and then in this trailer, you get to see him in the hospital room, you know, with her, like, you know, clearly something's going to happen to her, like, you know, she's probably going to die. And that's going to be one of the things that's going to kind of kick him over to losing his touch of reality and his losing his humanity. And so like, I, you know, between that, and his relationship with Zazie Beats, that's another one that you kind of see. Like, you, you get all these really human elements that they show us a lot of that, and then they, they'll show us visual representations of him as Joker, but we haven't seen his actions as Joker. And I, and I, right. So I really kind of think that's going to be the really cool transition and the revelation that we're going to get when we actually see this film. I feel like a great hint you get about that is we actually got to hear a conversation between him and his psychiatrist, which I feel like gives context to, like, the scenes we saw in the first trailer of him going to Arkham. I feel like he goes to Arkham to have his appointment with his psychiatrist and that, you know, she talking about how she's basically cutting him off from any more appointments and sessions. There's actually some context of that in one of the articles. Well, right, but 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 uh, but I'm not but what I, the point I'm trying to make is if we're looking at this from a trailer, if we're looking at this for marketing, I'm talking about what the what what a general audience member is getting just from the marketing itself. Right. Because the general audience is not reading all these articles that we're reading. And so I'm trying to approach this as, okay, what am I getting if if these trailers that are playing on the internet and before movies is all I'm getting of this movie? And so that idea of Arthur saying, all I have are negative thoughts. I feel like that's one of those great hints of, you know, what's gonna happen that, that the trailer does hint at. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was actually in the zone just listening to you guys. <laughs> You're not in the audience. You're actually on the show, Corey. Yes. <laughs> just remember, Corey, we're we're sending the clowns in. <laughs> we're sending the clowns in. You're on stage now. <laughs> well, that that relationship that uh, that they do show with his mother, uh, you know, I, I do agree with you that it's it that's probably going to be something very uh, that has very definitive for him. Uh, you know, with with her dying, with just the assumption that she's going to die, and, and I would imagine that he's probably you know she's been his world, uh, whether it be negative or you know positive, she's been his world, and so with that, if she's gone, you know, you get to see where he's going to go, and, and that can be scary. Yeah, I mean. It's it's it, they're just setting it up so interestingly here. Um, I, I kind of feel like that scene when he's in the hospital room with her and he's watching that uh, uh, Murray show, you know, with uh, De Niro. Yeah. You know, when when all of a sudden, like it gets revealed that he's like showing off uh, his what I can only assume is like a, a demo tape that he sent in to try to appear on the show. Which, by the way, I'm so glad I finished watching King of Comedy because, oh, my goodness, so much context for what for that whole part of the trailer. Yeah, a lot of context. I, 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 Corey, have you seen King of Comedy? I have not. Yeah, that's a and, and I would say this and let's see if you agree with this, Scott. I would say if you have the opportunity, like if you're excited about this film and if you have the opportunity to see King of Comedy ahead of time, I would recommend you do it. Not because you have to, but just because I think you're going to appreciate some of what they're doing in this film a whole lot more if you have the context about what that film was. I agree. And it like like I think I've said before on the show, it is free to stream if you're an Amazon Prime member. That's how I watched it. And I'll even go as far as to say King of Comedy was not a movie for me. I, I watched it more out of obligation than actual intrinsic desire. But I'm still glad I watched it because I it was mentioned in a lot of the interviews leading up to the filming of this movie. And as I watched trailers, it's like having watched that film is going to inform my viewing experience of this film greatly. Yeah. And then there was also another film. We talk about Taxi Driver. That one is uh, streaming on Netflix right now, right? That Yes. I found that out like in the last week or so and because, yes, put away your torches and pitchforks. I have not seen Taxi Driver yet. <laughs> it's, it's on the list. Ray has his list. I have my list. My list just tends to be smaller than Ray's. But I I am getting to it. It is in my Netflix queue. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say both those films, if you haven't seen them, I feel like those are clearly being stated as big influences. And I think King of Comedy ha- has probably even a greater influence in this film. And that was one of the reasons they brought in Robert De Niro uh, into this film, is because, I mean, he, if you see King of Comedy, you'll know you'll know why. I would I think you would have a better experience, is my guess, if you have those films that kind of inform uh, some history about you know, some of the parallels that they're going to do with this film. So I, I want to ask you guys, like when you see that one scene where Arthur's performing up on stage, can you tell is th- it's in that one club? I think it's called Togo's or Pogo's or something, something like that. Is is the audience is is it like an empty lounge? It looks that way. I know you get a scene later where it looks like Zazie Beats is there. She's off to yes. the side. What I can't tell is if like if there's actually people in the audience or, you know, like in my 
mind, I was running through like, okay, is this really an empty lounge? Did he break into this lounge with with Zazzy and so that he could do his performance? Uh, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't know. But once again, talking about how King of Comedy gives you context, it there's a specific scene in that movie that that reminds me of. So once again, I right. I, I don't know. I, I, I once again, we're watching a trailer, which means we're watching scenes out of context. Yeah, and whatever it was, what his performance at that lounge was used as like his audition tape I would assume for the Murray show so it, it's it's a it looks like a really great scene kind of setting up you know what's going to happen with his interaction with Murray I got I got the impression that yeah that there was people in the audience uh, there that he, he doesn't get the reaction he's hoping for you know from the audience but uh, maybe from thousand feet so that's uh, that's all he just decides now who it's for yeah I think you're right Corey because I mean you know if if De Niro's character is going to use this thing to kind of poke fun at him in his talk show then there must not have been a positive reaction from the audience. Oh yeah, exactly. It's just, it's like everybody else. They hear one negative thought. Uh, it just gets repeated over and over. It's like just a big old echo. Uh, so I think that's, that was my stand on it anyway. Yeah. Um, we did get, uh, some, uh, like a newspaper clip that was or like the front of the newspaper that had the headline latest, uh, uh, latest news on the murders. And it shows a picture of a clown. And then Arthur is actually looking at it and he does like a little kind of scowl because it, it shows a picture of this clown. It's like a, it's an artist. It's like a caricature of a clown, but like with fangs. So I was wondering, is this, is this like inspiration? You know, is this the chicken or the egg? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Because once again, because he doesn't get his skin, because like, he actually has to paint this stuff on. It's like, we don't know how much of him becoming a clown because remember, we remember from the last trailer that he has those three punks that, you know, attack him and it looks like to be the same day that he gets mugged from his job, you know, advertising. So it's just like, how long is this descent into madness and how much does he kind of have a proto-Joker effect until he, like, breaks out the purple suit and yeah. just goes whole hog? See, and that's one of the things I'm just not clear with on this because I don't really know that he's the instigator of the clown movement. I don't know if... What I don't know is if he if he just kind of, like, latched onto it because you had that one scene where he's over at the... It was called Wayne Hall, I think it's called. Yes, it is called that. The one that's where they're apparently doing the showing or something with, Mo- with Chaplin's Mo- Modern Times. Yeah, yeah, where he just like you see him kind of joining in the crowd and he's like starting to get into it. So I kind of feel like he was just latching on to that whole movement. And I don't know if that was if that was really imbued with a bunch of clowns in it. But so that's what's going to be interesting to me. It's like I, I don't know. It, like to me, it's not clear cut. Like what what really happens here? Yeah, it, I know. I wish I, I wish I had some insight you know, that I could offer here with that. Uh, it just the difference between when you see that he puts on when he has when he puts on that makeup, how with just a look in his face that it changes the whole dynamic. You, you're feeling you, you feel the, the dread mm-hmm. that's that's going to be coming, you know, but then, you know, and then in the next little scene, you see that, uh, you know, he's cowering on the floor, you know, from being beat. Uh, this is definitely looks like there's two different people. Yeah. So, so many, so many unanswered questions. It's great. <laughs> I just love it. Um, a couple of the things I want to point out here. Uh, so we do get a scene of an interaction between Arthur Fleck and Thomas Wayne. And the, some of the context about what we know about Thomas Wayne, he's running for mayor in this film. And so he's obviously a political connected guy or, you know, he's he's uh, he's part of the upper class. Right. And he's going to be running for mayor. And there's this great interaction where apparently Arthur tells him something and is just laughing in Thomas Wayne's face. And then, of course, Thomas Wayne just decks him. Yeah. And then there's a scene which I, I have to give you full credit, Tim, I, or or you found somebody who, who sp- 
spotted this, that we've got a scene outside of a movie theater. And if you zoom in, you realize that it's the Waynes coming out of the movie theater. So there's going to be the monarch at some point. And yeah. I love this point that there's an Excalibur poster outside yes. the movie theater. Which was really brought in by Zack Snyder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because that's BVS. I mean, you know, yeah. whenever, because of how much, uh, how much uh, parallels they drew with John Borman's Excalibur and the fact that they have that poster there at the Monarch just like it was in the Death of the Wayne scene in BVS. So it also kind of makes you wonder, is that something that's going to happen in this movie? Yeah. You know, are we going to see that again? Yeah. Well, it's what's so interesting is like we knew this was the Monarch Theater because we had seen we had seen some stuff. I did this over in Jersey City, I believe. Uh, they had there was like some uh, while it was filming, it was like shown as being the Monarch Theater. In fact, actually, if you look at this picture, you can actually see it says Monarch Theater. So obviously we know in the comic book canon that Monarch Theater was the theater where the Waynes were, you know, that was basically the last film they saw. Yeah. <laughs> and and what's interesting here, you see smoke billowing out of the theater and everyone's running out and it does look like the Waynes. That's what we think is happening. The Waynes are running out of the theater. It's kind of in the background. It's not real obvious, but if you zoom in, you could see it. Uh, so the question is like, did this event kind of precipitate them fleeing and maybe going down, you know, a street that they probably shouldn't have been going down or maybe not being there to have a limo pick them up because they had to leave the theater early. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of ties in. But it's the but the idea being, you know, like is the way is the Wayne's demise going to become is it going to happen because of what happened in this theater? Okay. And the presumption here is since you have clowns running out um, or at least running past the theater, you know, were they responsible for doing something in this theater where everyone had to flee out of it? Got so it. it's it's certainly a different uh, it's a it's a different interpretation we've seen. Like when we've seen the Wayne's leaving, it's usually been depicted as like they finished the film and they were happily walking home or they had to leave early like in say Batman Begins because Bruce got scared. In this one it looks like they're leaving a theater fleeing because of something that happened inside of it. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And then I gotta continue to say that I'm loving the the uh, the needle drops for these different trailers. They've been very on point. I mean after getting Jimmy Durante's smile in the last trailer and then getting the Frank Sinatra rendition of Sending the Clowns from a Little Night Music. I'm like but you put Frank in a trailer you're gonna just gonna make me happy so I'm like go ahead yeah entertain me and the question is you know and you never know when they do these needle drops are they actually gonna show up in the film or are they just for the trailer because that happens all the time yeah. but if they show up in the film I'm okay with that <laughs> yeah that would be fun give me give me any kind of clown related thing and and in they're all of this particular era that they're you know that they're getting this music from so it's very interesting how they're going very old school with the music choices so far and I find that intriguing yeah absolutely uh, so I'm mean, anything else uh, I don't we don't need to go through scene by scene in this trail but anything else either one of you guys want to kind of say about it oh I'm I'm good yeah I just give me the movie just, yeah I want to I want to see this I want to be able to do the I want to be able to do another review episode that's that's what <laughs> it basically boils down to Tim yeah. I'm ready for another review episode absolutely um, so now this film is actually just debuted today over at the Venice Film Festival at people are going nuts apparently uh, they're loving it I mean the the critic review the, the Twitter reactions from people who did see the movie or are hearing from people who saw the movie are it, 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 people are just gushing like if you've actually seen the movie you've apparently enjoyed it which you know it's I, I really do feel like it's what Warner Brothers was going for that's why they went the film festival route with this film well they knew they knew what they had they knew for once they knew what they had <laughs> and they're going about it in a intelligent way like th- 
this is how this movie should progress. Yeah. Well, get this. So it's being reported, and, and there's actually some video out there. They're, they had an eight-minute standing ovation at the conclusion of the film. Eight minutes. You know how long eight minutes is? I mean, just tr- just try picturing clapping and you know whooping and cheering, whatever it is, going on for eight minutes. And they and 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 they do that at these film festivals. I, this is not the first time I've heard about that for so, that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, this is not this is not groundbreaking for that to happen, but it is a nice sign. It, it's it's something to go. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. It just you know speaking of like general audience ways though, uh, the eight minutes. I mean that's that's impressive. So uh, from the lighter side of things, you know that's that's good news. Yeah. It's exciting. That's exciting. Now uh, we didn't have a chance to kind of break this thing down, but there's all kinds of reactions coming through right now, and I'm literally just going to kind of open up uh, some of the news articles that are posting on this just to kind of read you what some of these things are, what people are saying. I'm just going to kind of randomly read some of these. Um, so here's from uh, Phil Dissemblian. He says that this is a truly nightmarish vision of a late era capitalism, arguably the best social horror film since Get Out, and Joaquin Phoenix is magnetic in it. I have another one that says, this is from Pete Hammond, Deadline, it says Joaquin Phoenix kills it in the dark, timely DC origin film that is no laughing matter. Will he be second Joker to win an Oscar? Uh, Brandon Davis from comicbook.com says, whether Joker is a social commentary on issues such as poverty or mental illness, a new mysterious take on the best known DC Comics villain, or another unforgettable piece of cinema by Martin Scorsese, you'll need to see to believe it. Let's see, some more reactions. This is from Jessica King from the playlist. This is the world post Joker and with nothing but shaky breath respect for the filmmaking and storytelling achievement it represents. God help us all. It's <laughs> an interesting one. It's always amazing to me though how these critics can think that 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 you know it's okay for this to be apparently profound and serious and then but then they'll use that to attack other films. It's it's of course. <laughs> I, I I get whiplash. I really do get whiplash. It's like yeah. So what what is it today? What is it today? <laughs> yeah. And so we've already got a total of twenty nine reviews that have been published. And uh, if you care about Rotten Tomatoes, I know some people do. We don't necessarily care about it, but we'll at least tell you what the consensus is. Uh, it's at an eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I don't. I don't put a lot of a lot of faith in Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, I am conflicted though with the with the critics. Uh, like Scott, you were saying, it, it's tough to you know to now. I feel like wow, I can actually agree with one for a while, and that's a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, what you've got that's interesting here is you have you have some critics that kind of look at comic book genre type films with a certain lens and have certain preconceived notions and expectations about, you know, you know, check the box. Has this comic book film done this, this, and this? And, you know, we know what those things are. But then you also have the critics that want to see a special performance put out by an actor, in this case, Joaquin Phoenix. And so you're going to have this interesting mix of lenses that these critics are going to be looking at this film with. Yeah, I, you know, something that I, I know some people have expressed a concern about, and I can appreciate it, is when they talk about the movie being social commentary or timely or anything like that. I feel like there's a difference between being social commentary or timely and being topical. I I do make a distinction between that, and so where I can be concerned about that, but if you listen to the quotes that Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Todd Phillips have been giving in different articles, uh, I think there was a Total Film Magazine uh, interviews that make me feel better about where that can go is Phoenix had these kind of things. He says, there were times when I would go 
like, look at this effing world, how we lack empathy and real compassion and care. But I also felt like they weren't being didactic and they weren't steering you towards one particular way of watching the movie and saying, this is the cause. That's, I, I, I appreciate that a lot. If that's what the movie actually does. And then Todd Phillips said this, and this makes me even, this comfort, once again, if this is being honest and faithful, then this is comforting to me, where it says this is not meant to be political, but it is meant to be provocative. Uh, I don't want to define it, define it as this message movie, because it's not, but it definitely is the same way that The Dark Knight was not a message movie, but it definitely was a post-9-11 terrorist sort of, oh, crap thing. Yeah. And if they go about it that way, where they're not trying to be after-school special on the nose about it, then I'm cool with that. Because all the Nolan films, all the Nolan Dark Knight movies said things without yeah. being, and this is, and the more you know, and, and, and being very pointed about it, they they laid it out there, and you could think about it. And and I'm hoping that is, that is what the film is delivering. Especially with the way the critics keep on wanting to talk about, it's timely, it has commentary, and this and that. It's like, okay, but is it this nice sort of universal commentary? Or is it you trying to say, oh, it's going to say something about what's going on right now? Yeah. Because, man, does that data film when you do that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so uh, there was a, a real nice Total Film article that was put out. Uh, there's. I'm just going to pull out a little bit of tidbits here. Apparently, Joaquin Phoenix lost 53 pounds for this role. And to do that, he went, you know, when he signed on for the film in February of 2018, and they began filming in September of 2018, in May of that year, he started eating nothing but salads with very little dressing and steamed vegetables. And that was his diet. And then once he lost weight to a certain point, he went into this hardcore diet where he ate nothing but just lettuce and steamed green beans or asparagus. And he ate one apple just once a day. That was his diet. <laughs> so that's just incredible. I mean, you talk about method acting and the commitment of certain actors that get into certain roles. I and mean, we've talked about Christian Bale. Christian Bale, if you've ever seen what he did to get ready for The Machinist, I mean, that that's this level. <laughs> And then turn around and be in Batman Begins immediately after that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, and this is the beauty of when you get somebody like a Walking Phoenix. Like, he ain't playing. If he's going to sign on for a role, like, he is all in. And that's when you're going to get something super special. We also found out that uh, it took Walking Phoenix a while to commit. And um, that, uh, you know, he really had to kind of be convinced to do this role. And part of it, wh- part of what it was is it was kind of his reluctance to try to come in and, and you know, take on a role that other people have already kind of established and and he really needed to be convinced that they were going to try to do something interesting and unique and be able to tell you know a story that hasn't really been told uh todd phillips had originally pitched this idea back to warner brothers in uh 2016 so i mean this was this was over a year from when he actually you know started uh getting certain actors to agree to be in a film and back then a part of Todd Phillips' push with Warner Brothers was to make smaller and darker standalone films. So basically, make these films that weren't going to be part of a uh, connected universe. And that's where this whole idea of like an unknown, like an unnamed label kind of came about. It really originated with Todd Phillips. Like he was proposing that you could have these films that would be lower budget. And this was around the time when we had got Walter Hamada coming in and, you know, of course, was used to making these lower budget films. And so, and they basically just said, you know, hey, not so fast. Why don't we just do this? 
this one film and then we'll see where it goes. Okay, yeah, I see. Well, it, it's going to be great when you're watching a movie uh, and you're not halfway through thinking about, oh boy, they can do this in the sequel or that in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, you can just join it from beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is too, like there was no green screens used in this film. Uh, this is going to be one of these things that, you know, and we've all seen them, certain films where you can, you suddenly get pulled out because you're saying, oh, I can clearly see this, you know, the CG uh, that's done. We're not going to be burdened with any of that in this film. The budget of this film was $55 million total. That's what's being reported. So, you know, to compare that to say like, uh, I think Batman v Superman or Aquaman, they were up around $300 million. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, this is this is a much smaller film. So it, it's really kind of putting themselves kind of in a place where Warner Brothers would like to have an avenue to do some of these lower budget films. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, there was a lot of different things that are kind of coming out this past week. Uh, there was one that was in the Associated Press News, and this gives you a little bit of insight into the way they're looking at Arthur Fleck and Joker in this film. Todd Phillips described uh, the way they're portraying Arthur Fleck and Joker in this. He says, you know, he's a villain that's presented in an empathetic way, and you're kind of on his side until you can't be any longer. So basically, I, I think that's the kind of point of this film that we were talking about. He says, you know, you're going you're gonna to be drawn and feel sympathy for this character. Until you can't. <laughs> until you can't, which is great. I think that's just going to be such a fun journey. So that, I mean, this is coming right from the director himself. That's what they're doing. That's what they're kind of going for for this. So, and I, so I think for those of, for those that are out there that are saying, oh, I can't believe, you know, you're going to portray this character and try to make us sympathetic to him. I think that's the point. They want you to be sympathetic, but you have, there's going to be a point where you're going to say, no, I can't be sympathetic for him anymore. And the filmmakers don't want you to be. It's like, no, yeah. we want you to lose sympathy for him. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, needless to say, I think we're all pretty pumped about this thing. Um, we also did get uh, a teaser trailer, not officially released, but it's out there. <laughs> we we got, <laughs> in air quotes, we <laughs> got a teaser trailer for Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yep. But it is uh, reportedly going to be out there uh, before, it's going to be put out there in front of it. Uh, it's coming out next weekend. So I'll be able to report on that because by the time we record next week, I will have seen It Chapter 2. Yeah, but we have all seen it anyway. We have seen this little, it's like a 39 second teaser trailer because it's its not a trailer. It's just a little teaser. If you've seen any of the pictures that are kind of floating around, I would just basically say you've pretty much seen the teaser. Wouldn't you say that to be true, Scott? Oh, absolutely. Because the only the only part where there's any dialogue is the part that's just for the teaser. The, the, the shots that are actually from the film itself, there is no dialogue. The yeah. most you get is you McGregor going, woo! <laughs> and that's basically you it. You know, it, it, in a scene that if you capture it, you do see Black Canary singing in the background. Yeah. And I would say this thing, too. Uh, I know Kathy Ann's first film, Dead Pigs, is not available for distribution in the United States. But I have uh, I have seen some uh, some footage from it. And if you if you get an idea of like what the aesthetic was that she uh, had actually put together for that film, Dead Pigs, this matches that. Like she th- there's an there is a Kathy Ann aesthetic that I can say now that we've seen with two different films. And it is such a visually interesting and kind of dynamic look. I'm, I'm really excited. It's it's There's a lot of really interesting colors and uh, set design that's actually used in her film so far. And everything that you kind of see in this little teaser, it's all right there. Cool. I, I still wish I had an opportunity to actually see that film because it, w- it would be nice to know that going into the film. And yeah. I'll, at this point, I just have to take your word for it. And you know I don't like 
point trusting you, Tim. So it's <laughs> poo on you. I mean, Dead Pig, Dead Pigs is largely uh, it's in Mandarin, so uh, you know I don't speak Mandarin, so I couldn't hear. Well, my... you're just falling down on the job. I expect more from you. Come on. <laughs> but there is some English. You know, there's some English characters that are in the film. So if you watch those scenes, um, you can at least you know get some context about what's going on. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm still super excited for this film. I'm just intrigued by some of the stuff that we saw. And by the way, this little teaser actually kind of match mashes up with it. So when you when you see it, you're going to see a little bit of a mashup between it and um, this Birds of Play, Birds of Prey teaser trailer. Birds of Play. That's a, that's a, that's completely. <laughs> is that the video game? Yes. Birds of Play. <laughs> okay. Oh, and by the way, I think we saw our first look at Harley Quinn's hyenas and the beaver. I missed that. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Is it in the scene where she's, oh, no, no. I see it when she's driving in the car and eating her like burrito or whatever it is she's eating. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just catch a little bit of that hyena butterloo or something. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I like the one scene where I see distinct amounts of blood splatter coming. So I'm like, yes. Well, so that means it's probably going to be a rated R like we suspect <laughs> and like they've said. Well, no, well, well no, suspect they <laughs> flat out told us they went for an R rating. Well, so. there's there's still a lot of people that don't believe it's going to be rated R. There's a, a pretty good amount of blood being splattered. Well, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. I see a crossbow. I see you, McGregor. I see blood splatter. Yeah, I, I see a movie that I have hopes for. I have hopes for. So, yay. I did too. Yeah. Well, looking at, at you and McGregor, you know, we obviously know that, you know, he's going to be playing Black Mask. Uh, in that one scene of the, the woo, you know, I I see him dressed kind of casual, almost like sort of how uh, I did with the uh, with Joker. Yeah. Uh, it just put outside of that usual look that you see in, in the comics and the cartoons and, and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how Black Mask treated this. Yeah. In that little club that Black Canary's singing in is a very interesting design. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah. So that's, again, getting back to this Kathy Yan aesthetic. Uh, that's that's very consistent with what I've seen with, with uh, Dead Pigs as well. Okay, cool. Um, kind of next up on the on the docket is uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've gotten a whole lot of casting news for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And one particular piece of casting has me excited only because I'm a fan. And the rest of it is either, uh, or, huh? It's pretty much my reaction to the rest of the casting. Yeah. Uh, let's start off with, with the yay, which is Nathan Fillion's going to be in the movie. I don't know in what capacity. I don't care. It's Nathan <laughs> Fillion. I love Nathan Fillion. I love Firefly. I love Castle for most of the show's run, but I love him. So please, please let him be more than just like a cameo. Please let him actually be like something significant where I can enjoy yeah. him being in the movie. Yeah, with you there 100% on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So we get Nathan Fillion and then uh, I don't know how to say his name, but is it Taika Waititi? Yes. Okay. I think, which is the one that makes me go, uh, <laughs> only because I've only seen one movie he's directed and I did not like it at all. At yes. all. So, so this isn't, this is not in any kind of uh, filmmaking capacity. This is apparently as a, as a player in the film. But once again, we don't know to what capacity. So I'm not, I'm not ready to completely like, you know, dump on this news item. It could just be a little cameo as two guys who have worked together kind of deal. But still I will, it, it gave me pause. I will say that. Well, here's, 
here's the thing too. I mean, this this cast is so large right now. You know, when I, I, know, when, I right? when I hear more people being added, I'm like, okay, well, they couldn't possibly have a large role. So you know, so we just have to kind of sit back and you know, I mean, as always, like especially with this film, you know, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, sit back and we'll just have to kind of wait and see what what's gonna be James Gunn's plan. We we really don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna make any assumptions because I mean, he has made a variety of films, and there's I have no reason to suspect it's gonna be one way or the other with this film until we start seeing some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent with you on that one. You know, I, you know, I do I have noticed that they're more on the comedic side of things. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see what they do, how it does turn out. Is it going to be geared more towards like a, say a guardians galaxy two, or uh, we're going to get to see these people in, in a little bit more serious tone. Yeah. We just don't know. So we don't know. I mean, cause other names are like Steve AG, who's going to be King shark. You've got this actor, Lua Borg. These people, I have no context for any of these people. I know nothing about any of these people. <laughs> so I, I'm just kind of like, okay, what is this thing? I think that's where it basically boils down to when it comes to the Suicide Squad. What is this thing? <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to wait and find out. Uh, in terms of music, James Gunn answered a question from somebody who asked, uh, you know, what is it going to be music heavy this film, similar to I assume uh, referring to Guardians of the Galaxy? And he says music is an incredibly important part of all of my films, uh, both soundtrack and score so yeah it will be a lot different than a guardians musically and in so many other ways so that's hopeful yeah that that's hopeful so like i said we, you know we, we don't know what his plan is going to be at this point so i'm just gonna have to wait and see yeah i'm with you i'm you know i am more on the excited part to see what's going to happen with it I'm, I'm more hopeful than i am skeptical yeah ava duvernay is kind of stepping into the whole debate about you know dark side versus uh, thanos <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody had said this was from blurs online uh, this is not even up for debate. You can give Thanos all the Infinity Stones and, and it will not matter. Darkseid will eviscerate that man. <laughs> and then she uh, quote tweeted it and said, a little louder for the people in the back. So Yeah, I loved Logan, I loved Logan Marshall's green tweet, which is <laughs> Darkseid is, Thanos isn't. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they they have uh, they have no problems having fun with the little you know rivalry between the two studios. Yeah. And besides the fact that Thanos was a knockoff of Darkseid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we got this is interesting because we got two pieces of news separated over the two weeks that we've been collecting news to get to this episode. It was last week that Ezra Miller confirmed that he was doing Fantastic Beasts three and the Flash movie. So confirming that the Flash movie was still a thing. But then this week in an interview with Fandango when Andy Muschietti was talking about It Chapter 2, he did reply in the affirmative that the Flash movie would be his next project. So, Andy is this week's director of The Flash. <laughs> until he's not. I still <laughs> yeah. I, I still have pretty good faith that this one's moving forward. You know, especially when you have... You go ahead and have that faith. You go ahead and have that faith. <laughs> I've seen four directors in, four, in like four years. So I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. I mean, they've got their hot hand screenwriter right now uh they uh, getting a ton of dc film related work christina hodson she's working on this thing so i i feel like i feel like there's enough evidence saying that this thing is moving forward and he did say that the captivating part about this film was the human drama in it yes so that made some people happy i want you know that's what i want Uh, absolutely oh yeah which i think that's what ezra wanted which is why the previous set of directors are no longer on the project yeah all right so we didn't get a chance to cover this one last week because we had to punt on that episode. Uh, Jason Momoa made a pretty strong public statement about the Snyder Cut, and he posted a little video on Pride of Gypsies on Instagram. It was it was a it was.
was a little video of him giving a surprise gift to Zack Snyder, and Deborah Snyder was there as well. And he says, well, let's be honest. If it wasn't for this man, we wouldn't have Aquaman. I love you, Zachary Snyder. Mahalo for showing me the Snyder Cut. Here is a token of my appreciation, the Leica Q2, for inspiring me as an artist through and through. I wish I was a better actor, but I can't lie. The Snyder Cut is sick. So, anyway. Hashtag lucky me sucks for you. Yes. (laughs) So, anyway, of course, uh, you know, Jason Momoa is one that kind of very famously said in an interview, F yeah, I want to see the Snyder Cut. Here he is continuing to just let that fire keep burning. Yeah. What it's also done is, uh, well, there's people like you, you kind of wrapped up that we know about the Snyder Cut. Uh, We know why we want to see it, but there's there's a whole group that doesn't know, but now they do, that there is a different version of Justice League. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff is really good. I mean, we, we just want to keep, you know, we want everyone to keep blowing that megaphone, you know, so go out there and, you know, just just keep this. This keeps the news cycle going. It keeps things going, you know, the momentum going about the Snyder Cut. You know, like like you said, Corey, we all want to see it. We we know we want to see it, why we want to see it, because, you know, we know that that would have been more along the lines of the film that we, the three of us, would appreciate. And so that's why we want to see it. And for those of you that in, did enjoy, you know, Justice League the way it was, you know, you got your film. We want to see our version. <laughs> that's that's basically what it comes down to. Well said. Uh, one last thing kind of concerning uh, Justice League and a Snyder Cut. Uh, cinematographer Fabian Wagner was in, interviewed by Comic Book Debate. And uh, there is it was actually a pretty nice interview. There's a lot of little things that gives you a little bit of insight about what his time was on, you know, not just on Justice League, but Game of Thrones as well. Uh, but there was a couple little things that came out of it. The first tidbit was that, you know, he confirmed, and this is the first time I think that we've seen somebody actually involved in the actual filmmaking part of it actually come out and confirm that Darkseid was in fact filmed. I mean, we knew that, but we just didn't hear it from somebody that was an actual filmmaker part of this. Darkseid was actually part of some scenes that were actually filmed. Uh, And then the last thing, uh, one of the interesting questions was they asked, you know, did he see the, uh, did he see the, the theatrical release of the film? And he says, yeah, he says, uh, he said it's hard for him to say exactly how much of the film was changed, but he says that a lot was changed. It looked very different. And he's and <laughs> Fabian said that he was crying through the film just at how much of his and Zack Snyder's original work had been cut out from the, the theatrical cut. So, And if you really want any kind of argument as to why we why anyone should care about the Snyder cut, I feel like that kind of makes a nice point is that there's people's hard work that we have not seen. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a really good artistic argument to go, you want some sort of, va- you know, any an argument with any kind of validity, there you go. Yeah, and that's a great point too because i mean you have filmmakers you have Zack snyder you have fabian wagner as a as a uh, director of photography filmmaker on this you know their names are on justice league the theatrical cut you know most of what we saw in that movie was not their work right right so i can i can see and understand and appreciate um their frustration with what happened and so i mean and so we're not in this case we're not talking about the fan frustration it's the filmmaker frustration so yeah you know it you know it's like you know you have kids and you're raising them uh the next thing you know no, uh, <laughs> the stepdaddy comes in yeah. and, and and finishes raising your kid, and you just got to sit back there and look. So I could I can identify with not uh, with, with Zack Snyder saying, "Oh no, I just haven't seen it." He, he doesn't want to see his family taken away and used in, in a different in a different way than he attended. You're right. Ah, uh, such a frustrating thing.
thing all around. <laughs> oh well. Well, let's uh let's end on a positive note. Yeah. Which is we got a full-blown season 2 trailer for Titans which premieres next week or actually, you know, or, or within a within like 7 days of whenever this episode yeah. is going to drop. And gentlemen, can I say that I'm excited for Titans season 2? Cuz woohoo doggy. Oh, and I got to say this too. As much as I enjoyed season 1, this looks like this turned a corner to me in terms of like, you know, feeling like much more like a Titan show now. I agree. I feel like this is the show that maybe some people thought we were going to get in season one. Like right. we thought what we're seeing in this trailer is where we thought season one would get us to. And season one never got there because they spent so long with the development, with the character moments, which was good. I mean, I'm not someone who's going to come back and play Monday morning quarterback and crap on season one. I still love season one. Tim and I have talked about how much we need to go back and do like a binge rewatch before season two starts. But yeah. to see where this one's going with all the flashbacks to the original iteration of the Titans and that sweet, sweet, sweet Deathstroke. Sweet, sweet Deathstroke. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, it's not just that. It's all the other characters, too. Oh, yeah. Like with like Aqualad, uh, you know, Superboy. Yeah. I mean, you, Aqualad, you get Ravager, uh, Rose. Um, uh, oh, we're yeah. Presumably going to get Jericho. And I don't think I saw Jericho, uh, Destro's son, in this. But, you know, you're going to get him. Obviously, we're going to see Super- Superboy, Wonder Girl. You're going to get Jason Todd, Robin. Uh, and presumably, we're going to get Nightwing. Get Dick Grayson taking on the Nightwing mantle. So it's just exciting. It's exciting that we're seeing this kind of build up. And you're, you're going to have a pretty dynamic team when it's all all said and done here. Oh yeah, I I know. I for one, I'm way excited for it. And you get the sense that they're going to. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the preview image for the first episode. I mean, the first episode is called Trigon, but Deathstroke is in the preview image. So I have a feeling that they're going like wrap up the Trigon story, and then Deathstroke is going to be like a stinger at the end to launch us into the rest of the season. Yeah, you almost kind of feel like this first episode was like episode was it a twelve that we were supposed to have gotten? No, no, they. they they, they've come out and said that this episode was we, what we're getting as the season premiere is a retooled version of what was originally supposed to be the season finale. Yeah. Okay. They have flat out said that. So I'm just going to be kind of curious because a lot of people crapped on the way season one ended. I was not one of those people. Uh, but I'm going to be very interested to see how this works as a season premiere as opposed to what pieces and parts would have been used used as a season finale for season one yeah yeah i mean but it was it was just a fun trailer uh you get to see you know a lot of like superhero type action which is something we didn't get to see a whole lot of quite honestly but when we did see it it was pretty cool you know it was it was it was sparse but it was fun when we saw it but boy we're getting costumes we're getting so many costumes well and we got a couple posters too uh that i've seen i know there's a nightwing one that just came out that i haven't seen yet there is this is news to me no i'm sorry it's not nightwing it is Dick Grayson. I need to clarify. But you get a, the Starfire poster and then you get a Raven poster in costume and they look pretty good to me. Yeah, I like, I like seeing that Raven just a little bit more comic accurate. Yeah. And all that, that, that's nothing that I have to see, uh, you know, that way, but it's nice to see. So yeah, needless to say, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. Friday, 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 <laughs> Friday. Oh man, I got to hurry up and binge it this week. Do a couple episodes a day. You'll be good to go. That's all. <laughs> all right. Well, Corey, anything else you want to talk about? No. Oh, no, you know, you guys pretty I just enjoy sitting back and listening to you guys. <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh, come on, Corey. We're all in this together. <laughs> 
we're all we're all fans. We're all fans of the same stuff. Yeah, it just you know, I don't you know, kind of speechless because again, you guys make this seem so easy, and it, you it's definitely not. <laughs> you know, I'm almost exhausted. <laughs> Takes a lot of prep work. Oh well, well we we still got some energy in us. We've been doing this for four years now. What do you guys have? I got another show to record after this. <laughs> Me too. I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, man, I tell you what, it was super fun having you on here. I'm, I always love having having you guys on. We haven't done this in a little while. I guess when we just did one with uh, with Eric for our Lord of the Rings review, but we haven't kind of done one of these on the main show in a while. So, Well, we're glad to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, if that's it, I think we should close this one out, Scott. Yeah, this is it for this week's podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening, and we want to thank Corey for being our guest this week. Uh, you can, of course, contact us at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter. I can be reached individually at ScottDC27. Corey, where can the people find you? Uh, at Comictropolis on Twitter. And then, uh, of course, you can always find me on Twitter at AlanFire, and you can email the show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. We love interacting with you guys, so please don't hesitate to reach out. We can also be found on Vero, Facebook, and you can find the entire network at SuicideSquadcast.com. And don't forget that, like Corey, you can be supporting us on Patreon and getting access to all kinds of wonderful content including our upcoming review of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and that can be found at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. Yeah, and let's also not forget we have Punisher coming up here, too. Yeah, the Dolph Lundgren version, by the way. That's the the next one. (laughs) That's going to be a fun one to revisit. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that one. All right, well, I think we're going to call this one to a close. Again, Corey, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, I would say at this point, do you have any recommendation for our listeners, Scott? Go out and keep reading DC. All right, see you guys. Bye. Later. Scott, so what's the big deal here about your issues with the Suicide Squad cast casting? I have I have two words: Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Leaving it, I'm just putting that out there. That that says everything it needs to be said. But Thor Ragnarok is not being cast in the Suicide Squad. I don't know. Is it? I that's <laughs> I don't know, and that's why I'm concerned. I'm just saying that's where I stand. I don't care what you think about it. It gave me pause. I said that in the show. So this is basically a preemptive strike, is what you're saying you better believe it i have my i have my thumb on the button and if they don't blow this guy up i will uh, Corey, what do you think uh you know what? i'm with him you're with him I, I'm, I'm going with scott on that all right i am overruled two to one here so Corey, <laughs> please take it from here <laughs> what am i supposed to say now well you're supposed to say his name i was trying to make you say his name okay <laughs> But no, how do you say his last name? Watiti. What did you just say? This is a family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> uh, I'm taking you all out. <laughs> Okay.
Okay. Play recording, backing out. Okay, Corey, let me see. Uh, let me hear you talk. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Okay, that's good. Yeah, just remember, um, you know, the whole thing. Try to make sure you keep your volume up and keep your energy up. Keep your energy up. Yeah. Okay. Try to talk as clearly as you can. Those are just the basic things, you know, things I, I can't change. So he's been trying to change me for years. It's been a lost cause. It's been a lost cause. <laughs> so, and uh, Andy DiGenova was not available. So. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs>